but something else came first. And for me, it was my sense of responsibility and duty to my parents that made me want to take this route. Hey, and welcome back to today's episode of Not Your China Doll, the podcast featuring 25-year-old Asian-American women who share their stories of growing up in 21st century America. Even though there's a connection between our race and our gender, our individual experiences are what make each episode so different. My name is Samantha Chan, and I'm your host. I love low-maintenance friends, the kind of friend you don't have to call or text every day, but you know still cares. If something big were to happen, they're the kind of friend who will drop everything to be there for you. Rose is not only a low-maintenance friend, but she's also a friend I trust my life with. My fondest memories with Rose are from back when we were in high school, taking SAT summer classes together. After class, we'd grab gelatos, then go to Blockbuster, and sit in the horror movie aisle, debating for hours which movie we wanted to watch that evening. But by the time we walked back to my house and mustered up the courage to actually start watching, We'd be so tired from chatting all day that we'd fall asleep before it even started. In a lot of ways, Rose and I are really similar. We are both middle children and take respecting, honoring, and making our families proud very seriously. We are both also severely allergic to bullshit. Even though I know her delivery can be a bit blunt, Rose has a way of unashamedly telling people how it is, and I really respect her for that. She's Korean and I'm Chinese, but I pretty much consider her my sister. Born and raised in Maryland, Rose graduated from a service academy and moved to Texas where she currently works as an intel officer for the US military. Because of the nature of her work, she's not allowed to tell me a lot of things about her job, but I really appreciate her for telling me her story. Can you tell me a little bit more about what an intelligence officer in general, what the, what does that mean? So for me, what I'll do is I'll collect a bunch of intelligence reporting, um, obviously via military means or what other means there is to gather uh, reporting. And we even actually take reporting from open source, as we call it, but unclassified reporting, which anyone can access. And we analyze the information and we gather information and then create products and disseminate intelligence in a way that helps people make decisions. So how do you balance this having so much classified information at work and then like when I'm with my girlfriends I want to like tell them how awful my work day was (laughs) or like how good it was or something. I can give a lot of details because none of it's classified. I would say that sometimes I can't really portray the significance of uh, the issues at work. Like this was very important because of because you know, this a, B, piece and C, of information. Yeah, and the, those pieces of information, like, I can't say. So when I say it to somebody, they may be like, that's like, not really that, deal? yeah, like, I think you're overreacting. But, like, no, it is a big deal if you knew this portion, right. you know. Um, so what happens if you, like, say, accidentally mm-hmm. in your sleep, if you're so stressed or something, <laughs> and you um, disclose, like, classified information? Like, what would happen so uh, there's actually jokes about that all the time with like husbands or wives have been known for like sleep talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or like saying things that they didn't mean to, or if they get really drunk, you know, they might let things slip. 
I really don't know. I mean, obviously, like report yourself first of all, like self-report.、Um, you know, you just don't want that on your conscience. So it's just always better to be upfront and honest about it. Like accidents happen. If it happened to me personally, though, where I accidentally let something slip, I would definitely report myself because、okay. I don't want that on my conscience. <laughs> yeah.、Um, so it sounds like you have a pretty like stressful job, though, and a job that you have to be pretty organized、mm-hmm. in. So. What is your work life compared to your personal life like? I don't. I think I'm really good at compartmentalizing everything. Like I separate things by like work, personal, and relationships, and everything like that. At the end of the day, though, they all blend together. Of、right? course. I mean, in your personal life, I don't think. Yeah. It can. It's as easy as like, well, I'm at work now. Nothing else matters. I I think at the end of the day, I don't see it as stress. It's always like. This is a lot of work, but I love what I'm doing, and I know that it's for a bigger purpose more than myself. So I don't really see it as stress. However, going back home, yeah, that's an entirely different question. Sometimes I think I, I work so hard at work that、mm-hmm. I come home and it's just like. How long is your work day? Easily like twelve hours at least, you know, and then I'll try to work out as well because we always have to be physically fit too. So it's you know I can easily wake up at from like five, sometimes four every morning, and then come home at like six on average. Yeah, I know it's definitely、uh, difficult to sometimes come home and be like, well, you know, let me work on all these other things because I'm really focused on trying to get an MBA right now.、Mm. And let me tell you, the last thing I want to do is come home and be like, well, let me study for three hours,、yeah. you know, on a GMAT. I think you're just constant. I'm just trying to constantly push myself, and I think at times, and people, my leadership are so kind, and they try to remind me all the time, like, do not burn yourself out. You know, like at a certain point, you have to go home and be with your family or be with your friends and live your own life.、Mm-hmm. And I think that's something so hard to do, especially as military personnel, because we end up like having this almost like. Like familial, like you know, ties, and it's like, well, let、at、me work. work. Yeah, and or like you know, like who's at stake, or you know that you're trying to help other people out. You don't want to let them down. At the end of the day, like these are your brothers and sisters. Like you look at the person next to you, and you're like, well, we're in this fight together. Um, and so, in general, how did you choose or decide to be part of the U.S. military? Oh, so my parents are. Hard workers, and they provided us with a lot. So, wh- whatever I say next, please do not think of me as like a person who like lived in poverty or anything. Like, definitely had went to an all-girls school, pri- like elite private school.、Um, had everything given to me,、um, but at the same time, I knew that once I hit college, I just wanted to be. Fully independent from my parents, I no longer wanted to be a burden to them. And so when my I saw my older sister do that, well, she did it more out of like rebellion. <laughs> you know, she was like, "I'm gonna do it on my own." I think for me, it was just a sense of responsibility where I was like, you know, I see my parents; they're working at a liquor store, working twelve hours a day, six to seven days a week, and not the best situation. You know, while my parents are doing well, why? Make them concerned about me and my future, because at the end of the day, they'll always be there for me, and I I just don't want them to always be concerned about me. At a certain point, I feel like 
it's like a testament to them that they raised me well. I want them to always know that they did. You know, I, I will have to admit, because like there are some people who go to service academies and immediately off the bat, they're like, it's for the duty, it's like for the service. Um, but then you also meet a lot of people like me who have that sense of duty, but something else came first. And for me, it was my sense of responsibility and duty to my parents that made me want to take this route. So you mentioned earlier that your parents run a liquor store. Yeah. Um, what was that like growing up? Growing up and listening to their story, obviously it humbles me so much. My parents also endured a lot. You know, they've received so many racial slurs when they were here. They've been held at gunpoint. They've, um, they went through a lot. And I, I to me, it's, I get taken aback because you realize like how much they sacrifice for you and I think that's what allows me, to, that's why I said my sense of duty was to my parents first and then obviously now I have a sense of duty to my country that's stronger than ever but growing up seeing all that they've had to go through it makes you realize like what people are capable of um, in terms of not just my parents being strong and doing it for their children but what people are capable of in terms of being just evil people and you realize from a very young age that this world isn't a nice place so I think it's hardened me very quickly at a young age but it also makes me realize that you just don't you always want to work harder for something better because they're in such the mode of like protecting our kids and doing being there for our children that it didn't bother them as much. They didn't care if they were being held at gunpoint or they didn't care if somebody was cursing at them and telling that they were chinks or anything else like that because at the end of the day, they're trying to survive and make it for their family. You get this sense of um, working really hard to ensure that all your parents and their hard work gets paid off eventually at the end. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned from being in the military? It's interesting because like, I'm really not like a huge military person. I don't really like advertise that I'm like military. But the one thing that always ring in my mind is um, like you're always on parade. And I think the reason why that's so important to me is that whether I wear my uniform or don't wear it, I am always under the impression that somebody is watching and it almost sounds that like that sounds creepy. creepy yeah but at the end of the day like i i should always be behaving appropriately like can you imagine if there was like ever a situation where like you know a disaster happened and like there's a camera filming and i'm just like running away from it you know like and so there goes the little yeah. <laughs> found out that you know this person was in the military you know so like you know, or there's at one point uh, one of the uh, military people, like he wasn't even wearing his uniform, but he was at Chipotle. And uh, at the front, they were like, do you want a drink or not? And they said, no, I just want a cup of water. Well, he didn't realize, but there was a colonel watching him the entire time. And he's, this boy just said he wanted water, but he ended up getting Sprite. Oh. And so it really, like he got a free cup. Yeah, exactly. And he ended up getting in a crap ton of trouble. Like he got an honor hit. Like it was really bad. And so it just <laughs> makes me laugh. But that's that's like along the lines of what I'm going with. I'm just not really a 
paranoid person when it comes to that like if people are watching watch i have nothing to hide mm-hmm. but i never want to disappoint mm-hmm. like the military personnel by doing something inappropriate so how do you manage stress outside of work sometimes i'll work out twice a day depending on how stressed i am usually i like to work out a little bit in the morning to like loosen up my body and i love the morning like i would definitely say i'm a morning person like i love taking the morning as like the time to just decompress but yeah no i always say the same thing every morning or whenever i'm upset i'll say it and um what, can you tell me yeah it's just like maybe well and happy maybe peaceful and calm maybe protected from all danger maybe filled with love and free of hate so i say and i say that pretty quickly because that's how much i say it but then i always love saying it for my beloved friends and family like i'll be like may my beloved friends and family be well and happy may they be peaceful and calm and i just you know it's funny because i am definitely in the military which seems so like harsh and black and white but i think there's a part of me that's very hippie like and like mm-hmm. i always like having that positive intention you know like i always like being upbeat and positive i think it's just that at the end of the day is that nobody or nothing will make you happy like at the end of the day you have to be happy with yourself and you know it's all interconnected and i, I think that's why i like adding, adding the element of something where's that like line from is that from a book where did you make that up yourself you know i oh i definitely didn't make it okay. up myself but when i read it i just loved it you mm. know because those are some of the things that you know that you would want in life, you know. I'm not waking up every like may I get a Ferrari, you know? You know? <laughs> so I feel like you like the way you speak mm-hmm. is a very like philosophical way. Maybe, yeah. Oh my like God. I don't know. You're like very like oh like happiness is this and this is yeah. like how life is. Yeah. So what would you say is like something that you look for in like a partner? I don't know. I would say that over time my definition of a partner has changed as well. I mean granted I've only been in one relationship but that relationship was a very lengthy and serious relationship. Um, but you know, in the past, I think, and, and that's what one of my biggest learning experiences was, is a relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I come from the perspective where my parent, my mom and dad, they married after one date. And while they went through the ups and downs, they're truly so happy with each other and it's adorable. Like, like you can feel their happiness and love emanating from them. What do you mean by they just married after one date? They literally married after one date. It was essentially like an arranged marriage. Like they married, you know, my mom was crying. Like she didn't know this guy likewise. And you know, the rest is history. But it turned out well. Turned out extremely well. Just from my own personal experience, I would just say that like, I, I don't like to be surrounded by people who just like to stay in the same state of mind and the same state of life, you know? Like, I I need people with me who are going to constantly evolve and try to be better or, you know. So would you say that your past relationship provided that? No. (laughs) No? (laughs) Well, like, I think he tried. Don't, yeah, no, I I am not going to insult my ex. Like, he at the end of the day, I learned so much from him and I'm never going to look back and be like, this was a bad experience. It was a phenomenal experience. Did it end the way that we expected to or wanted to? No. Uh, but it was still, at the end of the day, a phenomenal experience. Um, but I would say that he tried to evolve with me, and he was evolving, but we were at different stages um, with 
how we were evolving and when we were evolving. Like specifically? Like I was more in this sense of like, okay, like let's think about marriage, let's think about kids, and let's think about, you know, like where we want to go in life, what are our He was also in the military? Yes. He was still, not that he wanted a single life, but he still wanted a lot more time. He wanted to, you know, he didn't want to move as quickly. Ironically though, now that I'm single again, uh, if somebody told me to marry right now, I would be like, no, I don't want to be, you know, like stuck. But here's the, like, the irony of it all though, is that when I was in that relationship with him, I don't know if it's like almost like a state of delusion, but I just was very happy. And I think like if your basics are there in the sense like your morals are similar and your beliefs are similar and everything, at the end of the day, like you're never gonna get the perfect person. If you truly wanna be happy in a marriage or have that love in a marriage, you work to get that. And the way I saw my parents go through life is that they went through their ups and downs. Like I'd never look, tell anybody and be like, my parents are perfect. You know, I think that statement in itself is obnoxious and I would never tell that to somebody. What I would say is that I love my parents together and that I truly believe that they represent love and happiness, but that they went through their struggles to get to that point. They work for it. And so that's what I think with marriage or my future partner is that like, unless there's something significant that happens that you're like, oops, my bad, I'm gay or something, you know, like, you know, something, <laughs> yeah, where like, you know, it's like life changing yeah. or it's like, but okay, it's like, yeah. not, there's not an issue that, yeah, it, if at on. the end of the day we're struggling over like, finances a little bit or you know we have a child who's bothering us or we're just upset about these little things you work on it you work through it you're not going to just up and leave and Mm -hmm. that's why my mom was saying don't think about like the perfect partner with the uh, you know the blue eyes and the blonde hair like look for the person that you know that you can change with who's gonna be there for you as you're going through life and that's I think that's been instilled with me so where did that transition of like you know I think I might want to marry this guy and like I could be with him mm-hmm. to like now you're like you know I'm I'm happy you know I think looking back I mean if you don't mind me asking yeah. um you know how did you guys end or why we ended because at that point, he wasn't ready to move forward in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so we just broke up. Right. Um, and I remember when that happened, I was just taken aback. Like, what? what is he talking about? You know, like I thought, like just the other day, we were talking about how we were in the right place, how we were each other's love of our lives. Like, what happened? But... Um, I don't know what it is. It's like I've gotten to the point in my life again where like now that I just turned 25 this year, I'm like, I'm still so young and there's still so many other people I need to meet and so many things I want to experience. And what's kind of interesting though is that like, I feel like being in a relationship almost kind of, this is so bad to say, and this is hindsight bias, so let's be clear. But I think it almost prevented me from being adventurous and I, I know that some couples it makes them more adventurous or more like it, like you know active in their choices for me I was more hesitant but now I'm at the stage where I'm like fuck let's do this you know like before when I was in a relationship I was like oh 
I don't want to be a financial burden to this guy because I really wanted to purchase a house, but you know, I just didn't know if it was the right financial move and I really cared like, you know, what would happen. I didn't want to affect him. But now that I'm by myself again, I'm like, let's do this, you know? I become like more adventurous again and I see parts of myself coming back. And I think that's, that's what I'm saying. I just love being in the relationship because I, uh, I've changed, you know, I've definitely changed in certain, I've become more empathetic and I've, um, I'm more, um, appreciative of love. And so that's where I'm at in my life right now. So how did you cope with the breakup? Oh, geez. Um, I did nothing. (laughs) Eat ice cream? No, seriously though, I, oh my God, like, I don't know if it's just because like, I hate being a burden on other people. I don't think I swallowed the pain per se, but like I definitely kept, like, let's be real, like my closest friends knew and and I think that's the, I, I think that's also when it really hit me that like, I have truly surrounded myself with the best of friends because when I went through my breakup, I can tell you that nearly everyone was there for me. My closest friends, my family. I was getting like calls every day. My friends. I mean, I called you every day. I know, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. And like friends from like states away would find like, um, like a food place close to me and deliver food to me, you know, just if they were local to, you know, where I was staying at the time, they would be like, hey, come over to our house. We're having dinner. Like, we want you there. And so the outpouring of love I received was just, it was almost too much. sounds amazing. Yeah, it was almost too much. I was like, okay. Like, at work, people were like, do you want to be home for a couple of days? Like, are you okay? It was just that love and, like, support I received was so overwhelmingly kind that... It was honestly better for my transition. I don't know how it is for other people, but I remember one of my friends, she was like, you need to write a book on how to get over relationships. Cause like you, you bounced out. Yeah, I did. At a certain point or another, it was just that, not a rebellion per se, but it was like that side of me that's like nudging me. Like, what are you doing? Like, let's get out of this. Like, let's mm-hmm. kind of move forward. Like that chapter in your life has closed and there is nothing you can do. You can do something about it. And that's what I never like limiting myself. When people say like, there was nothing I can do about it. Well, technically if I wanted to, I could run back to him, beg for him to take me back. Would he do it or not? Who knows? But like, you can do that, but do you want to? Um, and at that point in my life, I honestly said no. And, and I was like, well, if you say no, then move on, you know, yeah. like start, Getting your life together. So what kind of food did your friends get you? Oh my god. <laughs> Every, like, like it would be like pasta, you know? Like, you can get ice cream delivered to your door. Oh. No joke. And so I would just eat and sulk and um, do whatever, watch a bunch of movies. I intentionally went out of my way to watch dramas so that I could cry, you know? Mm. But it's really weird. After, like, the third day, I just stopped crying. I think at that point I kind of resolved it in myself like well you can do a couple of things what is in your realm of expectation or what do you actually want to do and it was that part of me wanting to revive what I had with that person it was gone it was really the lost memories that hurt me the most and it's interesting because from my perspective I definitely want 
a partner. I definitely want um, a partner in life, obviously, uh, kids and everything. And I want that, but for some reason, I just don't feel rushed to do it now. Like, I just want to take my time. Do your parents rush you? Oh my gosh. My dad is just a sweetheart, so he'll never hint at it. He won't even hint at it. He'll just be like, whatever is right for you, you know? But my mom, my mom and I are very close. Like, we talk about everything, and I, she doesn't hold back, I don't hold back. Like, we definitely have a level of relationship where we're not just, like, mother and daughter. It's almost like it can be, like, best friends, and I've, like, learned so much more about her. And But she uh, definitely, like, is very blunt about just being like, well, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Men don't like this, men don't like that. And at the end of the day, like, she does say it in a joking manner, but I think there is a level of seriousness to it. Like, my, like, fashion in general is a little bit more maybe tough and also just very, like, clean-cut and, like, business-oriented. So not florally. Yeah, I'm not floral. I'm not pink. I don't like girly things. Like, if somebody told me to wear a pink dress, I would just rip it up and be like, I would rather wear a paper bag, you know? <laughs> just there are things about me, like, and she was like, well, don't wear, you know, your, your fashion taste is very tough, you know? Like, are you sure you don't want to tone it down a little bit? It might intimidate guys, and... And um, I know where she's coming from. I really do. And I have told her, I was like, at the end of the day, I need to do what I want to do. She's like trying to be like, oh, well, like you should do this. Or is she more just concerned? Or I think, so I'm Korean and I think Korean parents in general just can be very nosy and just too into their kids children's lives. My mom is definitely not interested in other kids. Like my parents definitely isolate themselves. I would say that my they didn't parents- compare you? <laughs> I'll be obviously when I was younger they might have, but now at this point in my life they're like, we're so proud of you. We couldn't give a shit about what anyone else is doing. Like you guys are living your own life, paying your own bills since you graduated college. Like you guys have got it, you know, and you guys are happy, you're good. Um my parents, though, on the other hand, like, it's very hard for them to even remember names. So, like, who's that girl who you mm. went to high school with and, like, you know, had black hair? I'm like, Mom, like, what are you talking about? Like, there's many of them who have black hair, but she just really doesn't care. Like, she's, when I talk to my mom, we don't meet up and talk about other people. We're not, like... We'll talk about our own family. I'll be like, you know, if I ask or your to- friends or something. Oh yeah, my close friends. Yeah. yeah, I talk. I mean, I talk to about you to her all the time, um, whether you like it or not. You know, <laughs> but once again, who's my mom gonna tell? You know, my dog. You know, like my mom and dad are like totally best friends with each other, and they're not like writing a newspaper column. You know, over here, so like making a podcast. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> they're just happy doing their own thing. They run marathons. They drive around to junky car that they can easily just get another one but they're like we're great with this so they're just very just like oh i think some of that hippiness i referred to definitely comes from my parents and they're definitely very different from other stereotypical korean parents so would you say you have a pretty americanized family then and uh you know in some ways uh, i mean definitely we're nowhere near traditional korean family like um I'm very respectful to my parents, don't get me wrong, but I definitely just don't agree with everything that they tell me. Like, you know, if we disagree on something, 
um, I'll definitely let them know or you know I, I definitely do some things that are considered disrespectful like if I don't like an elder like an other Korean elder you know at the end of the day you should still like bow to them I am a Korean American but at the end of the day I am an American person I was born in this country I defend this country and this is my country. If I don't feel like bowing to you, I'm not gonna bow to you. It's funny because my mom thinks that Korean kids nowadays pick and choose what they want. She looks at other Korean parents and like, why are they so involved in their children's lives? It's like almost like kind of weird, you know? Like, do they really think they're like living together? Like, don't they want their own separate life? They want that level of, you know, support, whether it's financial, you know, from their parents, but then they don't want to follow certain Korean traditions of like respecting your elders entirely. Well, that's it. That's what it is being Asian American, right? Yeah. Like a balancing act. It is, but I've just never really been like, okay, this is my Korean side and this is my of American side. Of course not. Yeah, yeah, because you're so used to both sides. I am so proud of Rose. She graduated from an amazing college, completely supports herself financially, and surrounds herself with incredible people. She also delivers an important message that I think many children of immigrant parents want to say. Thank you for all the burdens you took on in order to take care of us. Thank you for the many late nights, dangerous situations, and unnecessary disrespect that you endured so we could have a better life here in America. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable and for always thinking of us first. We love you. I believe this podcast demonstrates the ways in which Asian Americans often have to balance their Asian side with their American side. But what I think hasn't been discussed, not only in this series, but in American media in general, is the prejudices among Asians themselves. Many times this is between Asian ethnicities, which can be historically rooted. But as Rosso passionately speaks about, dissatisfaction can also be towards one's own ethnicity. Because I'm not Korean myself, I cannot personally comment on the frustration Rose expresses about the Korean community, but as a Chinese person, I know I have certain stigmas and judgments about Chinese people that are valid because I see Chinese culture through my Chinese-American lens. This series is not about Asian Americans stereotyping other Asian Americans, but hopes to showcase one perspective, one Asian American woman at a time. and to create a greater understanding about the Asian American community. My hope is that despite your race, gender, or sexuality, hopefully you found something thought-provoking in Rosa's story. Or maybe you found your own story similar to hers. Many times we don't see our own lives as something interesting or worth telling someone about, but I believe otherwise. And so, if you liked this episode, please share this podcast with your friends. I think it's time that Asian American women got their chance to share their stories. My name is Samantha Chan, and thank you so much for listening to Not Your China Doll.